Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash mother. That's audiblepodcast.com slash mother. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. And this is Dimity in Denver. I'm, uh, I'm coming off my first bike ride, Sarah, since oh. Iron Man. I did uh-huh. a little spin on Lyle this morning. Out, outdoors, right? Outdoors, yes, yeah. But it was truly a spin. Um, <laughs> I, did, I was not prepared to, I mean, TMI, but I just did not want to sit on a bike seat. For, oh, that's, that was, please, my first thought when you said bike ride. I'm like, oh, and how are the tender bits? <laughs> yeah, the tender bits. Well, since we're going TMI, or since I'm going TMI, I got a raging yeast infection after Iron Man. It was awful. Um, now you're laughing because you're like, and you're the one that never talks about TMI. But I mean, I think it's important to put it out there. Because, oh, no, I thought that was exact same thoughts. Yep. Go for yep, it. Yep. Just because I mean, I, I uh, you know, I, I uh, documented my toenails <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> and I won't document my yeast infection, so, <laughs> so there, we got that going for us. You have um, some decorum, don't you, Dimity? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, I think just, you know, being in wet, you know, and working hard, and I mean, that's just a long day, and one, you know, even though I changed my shorts. Um, so anyway, yeah, so I Also, your body just wanted to, you know, flip you the bird and be like, you know what? I got something for you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. You do that to me, I'm going to make you uncomfortable for a long while. Um, so anyway, so yeah, I got on Lyle this morning. Everything is all fine again um, down yonder. And uh, yeah, it was it was fine. I, I, I'm feeling, you know, I think last podcast I said that I was like, oh, no post-race blues, but I'm a little, I'm just lethargic. Like, mm. I just feel lethargic in, in every aspect of my life right now, which mm-hmm. I expected. I mean, you know, and I, and I don't think that's unexpected at all. But, mm-hmm. you know, I just kind of feel like I'm just like staff, half a step. <laughs> there we go. I can't even talk anymore. <laughs> half a step behind, you know, kind of tired, kind of just, blech, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And and do you have anything in particular to look forward to? I mean, I, mean I, I realize you're happy in your life, but so it's not like, you know, yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I'm thinking, you know, about doing another race, of course, not a big race, but, um, I think I might do an iron girl, which is a sprint drive sprint distance. And mm-hmm. I think it's at Cherry Creek, which is, I oh. mean, I can literally ride my bike there from yeah. here. So yeah, nice. that's, that'll and, save on gas. So yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and you have some other, um, athletic excitement in your household, not generated yes, by yes. you. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, I'm just, I, it's, it's, it's typical triathlete focus. Me, me, me. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, you want to know what I'm doing, right? Um, yes. Yes. My younger daughter, my only daughter, um, <laughs> the one is, and only <laughs> is, uh, so yeah. So our swim team season is coming to an end. Mm. Um, so she's got one chance this weekend. Um, when this airs, she will have either done it or not, but, um, oh, she's hold got on, hold on, hold on. We have to have Jonah put in some M&M. Shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. You better lose this count in the 
And, um, and so she has to take, she just moved up an age group. So, so last year she was eight and unders for swimming. Mm-hmm. Now she's nine, 10. Um, mm-hmm. So it goes from 25 yards to 50 yards, which is a little harder. Tell obviously. people how, their mind might be going, ring, ring. how does that work? It's because her birthday's the end of June. So she started, when she started last summer, she was eight. And then this summer she, you know, cause so, of... yeah, she's under, she's in the nine, 10. She started nine. It's, it's like a weird date thing, mm-hmm. but last year she was eight and under. Yes. Mm-hmm. But now she's 10 and now she's swimming in the nine tens mm-hmm. um, because she's got a summer birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short is she has to cut a half a second off of her 50 yard breaststroke to, um, to make it to state. And, um, what's cool about that. I mean, I, I would be proud of her either way, but, but, um, you know, Amelia is one of those kids, like she's, talented in the pool like she's definitely you know she's got my wingspan and she's strong so she she does well but she's not particularly driven <laughs> like she's, you know so like I mean I, I meet other kids that just you know they have the fire in them and you know I mean one I mean one eight-year-old she used to swim with while her stroke um analyze like underwater analyze video <laughs> oh thing you know like I mean Amelia like you know she's on a kickboard kind of like motoring along and like this little whippersnapper goes by her and she just kind of like just keeps going, do, 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 kicking, you know, like she's not, she's not like, that doesn't force her to pick it up, Uh which she comes by that very naturally. When someone passes me, I'm like, good on you, keep going. (laughs) Glad you got it in you today, you know? The little, Um, the little acorn in the mighty oak. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So, um, so anyway, so, so I came, she came by, um, she had meet last weekend and she, she had written 50.00 on her hand and I was like, what's that? And she's like, that's the time I need to get to state. Wow. I was like, wow, good for you. I mean, that's, I did not push that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, on this whole season, I've been like, it's great if you get there and it's okay if you don't, you know, mm-hmm. but she wants, she wants the, um, the fruit, the benefits. What is, what, what would you call it? Like the accessories of going to state, <laughs> <laughs> like she got to go last year. Cause she was just, you know, again, she was like a nine-year-old swimming in eight and unders. So she got a poster like on the house, which, you know, mm. we've saved and I was going to toss and she just about, uh, you know, read me the riot act. <laughs> um, they made a CD of all the best songs and mm. then they got a special shirt. So she likes the swag bag of going to state basically <laughs> more than the actual experience. She's exactly um, like her mother. You... I know, I know, exactly. I'm like, what's in that? What's in that? <laughs> I know, Sarah, whenever we get to a room, there's something and I'm like, open it up. What's in there? <laughs> um, so anyway, so. So, uh, and so you told like, me that um, she, that she recently cut a bunch of time off yeah, I mean, she, so yeah, to get to that, so her previous time, I think was, I don't know, I mean, it was somewhere like 52, 53. And so she cut off, you know, a couple seconds to get to that 50.50. And so now she's got one more shot to cut off that last 0.5. Um, mm. So we'll see if she does it this weekend. But, but what was very cool was that she really, I could see she was really, really swimming hard. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she was pushing against herself and not necessarily the competition. Nice. Um, and that was, uh, that's the first time I've ever seen that in her. So, nice. I mean, you know, if she has it great. If she doesn't, I mean, again, I don't want to be like, cause it, it might be, you know, she might have a bad start, you know, on mm-hmm. this weekend. And if she does, then, you know, that 0.5 is going to be hard to get. Um, right. right. Or so, she might get water in her goggles and then suddenly yeah. she can't see the wall. And I yeah. know exactly, exactly. <laughs> so who knows, you know, but, uh, but anyway, so uh, yeah, I'm proud of her. Well, well, I'm going to stay tuned because I want to, I want to know how she does. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we have um, another exciting woman athlete on the podcast today. We have Sharon Barbano, who is the vice president of public relations for Saucony. She's been doing that for a decade. 
Oh, she's the former trustee of the Women's Sports Foundation. She's won a few marathons. She um, held the 50K trail um, uh, record for a while. And um, perhaps most uh, exciting to all of us is that she ran in the first ever women's Olympic marathon trials in 1984. So we just want to hear about some history from her and, and see where she's at now. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One book to consider is Flatwater Tuesday, a novel. It's a debut novel by Ron Irwin. I'm excited to listen to it. It's about a passion Dimity and I have, share, which is um, rowing. And I've heard great reviews about it, so I'm looking forward to listening to that. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash mother. That's audiblepodcast.com slash mother. Welcome to the show, Sharon Barbano. We're very happy to have you on. So Sharon, we've known you for a long time. Let's let's say that up front. I guess it took me a while to realize what an impressive running resume you have. So kind of share with us how you got into running. Uh, we, we read uh, online a newspaper article that said you had kind of a rocky start. Yes, there's a little bit rocky. Uh, and first of all, Sarah Dimity, it's great to be, you know, speaking with you. Uh, yes, we have gone back a long time, but uh, you, you guys have done so much now for women's running. So I want to start with saying thank you for that. And, uh, yeah, back in the uh, early 70s, and this was before Title IX, I really had this just passion to run. And I would run, you know, secretly on my own because girls weren't running back then. And in high school, we didn't have a girls' track team. And, and our, one of the first stories of that, of that rocky start was I had gone to our uh, boys' track team coach asking him, hey, could I join the boys' team? We didn't have a girls' team. And I remember him just looking at me and saying, all right, I guess so. But because you're a girl, you're weaker, you'd have to do double the workouts that the boys were doing. So, yeah, so you can imagine if the boys were doing, uh, let's say, uh, a a, a workout with four times a quarter mile, he wanted me to do eight. You know, all of this maybe lasted less than a week. I just couldn't do it. But I guess at the end of the, of the story, uh, it was many years later, um, and uh, I had uh, was getting ready to run in the New York City Marathon. And during that time, I ran into the coach. He was uh, going to run himself, and um, we both uh, left the the start line that uh, that year. And uh, certainly, I I had the the opportunity to pass him nice. and uh, just finish a good hour in front of him. And I always remember him seeing him sometime after the race and him saying, "Sharon, how did how did you do that?" And I just gave it back to him. I said, "Double workouts, coach. Double workouts." <laughs> <laughs> but but really, you know, if, if you think back in the early '70s, and and I don't know if any of your early listeners were of your listeners were even born then, you know, it was. Um, only 80% the, the 80% of men were running and just 20% of women in races and now sure. you take a look and women have finally surpassed men um in uh run participation by 56% women 44% men 
Mm-hmm. So, you like that pendulum swing, right? Oh, total pendulum swing. And it's just hard to imagine just, you know, it's about 41 years ago that um, Boston uh, first allowed women in 1972, but it wasn't considered an appropriate sport for women. Uh, they had science research of some sort that said it was unhealthy for women to run. We weren't strong enough. Uh, our uteruses would drop. Our I was breasts say, you would... leave your uteruses behind, right? You have to have someone <laughs> sleeping them up behind you. That's right. And and I remember even back then there was this company that designed a facial chin strap for women to wear while jogging that would protect uh, women from getting sagging jowls due to the pounding. <laughs> oh so, come on! Wow. It was and it was ridiculous stuff and. Um, uh, and it, back in, it wasn't until 1984, the marathon finally came into existence for women because previous to that, the longest distance women were allowed to run in was just 800 meters and then 1,500 meters and not until 84 did the marathon get approval and the 3,000 meters, So they went from 1,500 to a marathon? Like yeah. Was, yeah. Well, wow, I didn't know that. And they said, then they said, okay, 84 will allow 3,000 meters and then, and also the marathon. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, so, so you didn't, you didn't make it, um, on the boys track team because of double the workouts, but I mean, so kind of tell us how you came into your own as a runner, because you did, and we'll talk about this a little bit, but you competed in the 84 Olympic trials. You won a couple marathons, um, along the way. I mean, so, so did you just train on your own? Did you have a coach? Did you have a buddy? Like what, what did you do? No, uh, I just, uh, made the decision, okay, look, I'm just going to do this on my own. And so I would uh, just continue to run a little bit, um, didn't have the shoes, you know, the right equipment or gear, but would run a little bit, a little bit more. I got into college. Uh, I did play some team sports. Again, in college, we didn't have any girls cross-country or track team at the time. Um, but I kept running and uh, sort of on my own, you know, in the early evening or in the evening because still didn't feel good doing it, uh, the distance running that is. I did not have a coach, but there were some books, that, a couple of books started coming out, one in particular by a woman named Dr. Joan Ulliott, who really um, captured sort of the the, the best way for the book basically gave you confidence. You can do this. You're not going to get injured. You're not going to get hurt. Women are strong enough. And that became my Bible. And I just kept running on my own. And it wasn't until um, maybe um, after college, uh, when I was in grad school, I I did find uh, somebody I was running at uh, UMass just on my own on on the track. And there was a track workout going on uh, with a, a club team there. And um, the coach uh, approached me and, and said, hey, look, you know, you want to join, it was called the Sugarloaf Mountain Team. And uh, I did. And uh, from then on, I continued uh, getting some coaching, running on a club team with other women and moved to New York and did the same there um, and uh, had the opportunity to progress in my own running. And certainly the New York Road Runners Club had started a great system of road running and road races and uh, co-founded uh, a team, a women's running team in New York, and uh, the coaching and the rest is history. So wow. I have to I have to ask, what was the name of the book? It was called Women's Running by Dr. Joan Ulliott. Oh. Probably, I think, published 19, probably 
geez, 72. Hmm. Wow. Wow. But, you know, the, the interesting, yeah, the interesting thing is even before the women's trials, we were, there was a, a strong group of us um, internationally. We were vo- very fortunate that Avon products mm-hmm. uh, started sponsoring an international women's marathon uh, in light of the fact there was not an Olympic marathon. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember I qualified, and, and this was in 1979, and went to this championship in Germany. But still, things were a, a little bit odd. I remember all of us, and there, there were probably a hundred of us who uh, were going to be in this this championship in Germany. And there was a medical screening we ha- each of us had to go through with a doctor and nurse in this room. So we would be each of us come in one at a time. You know, you have your heart, blood pressure checked, and oh my goodness, all of a sudden, unbeknownst to you, the doctor just put his hand down your running shorts to make sure you were a woman. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my right. gosh. Wow. I did not see and where that story was going at all. You <laughs> were escorted out the other door. Of course, the, the woman nurse was there, and you were, take, you were sent away because you couldn't go back out the way you came in, so oh. you wouldn't tell anyone else. So even then... In 1979, the belief was, if a woman can run a marathon, is she truly a woman? Or is there someone here stepping in that could be a guy or what, you know? So very interesting. And and to think, that's less than 40 years ago. Right, exactly. I know, I know. Well, wow. So so where did you qualify for the Olympic trials? Was that at that 79? I mean, that was five years earlier. It's probably not. Yeah, no. It was, again, Avon, and I give them a a big applause because they did sponsor a series of um, marathons here in the States as well uh, that women could uh, qualify in for uh, the Olympics. And I was able to qualify in the Avon Marathon in Los Angeles um, uh, the year prior to the Olympic trials. And uh, I'll tell you, just going to those first trials in 1984, that was held in Olympia, Washington. Oh. Uh, yeah, pretty. Yeah. <laughs> that made a lot of sense. <laughs> and uh, of course, this was a celebration for all of us who. Uh, were running, you know, had been uh, sort of running for the cause of women's running. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of camaraderie amongst all the competitors, and uh, it was really a celebration when that uh, pistol went off to start. And, of course, that was the race that Joan Benoit um, finished uh, first, winning the gold medal. And um, it, it was just I, the only way I can explain it, a real celebration, not only in women's running, but in the whole women's movement in general, I think. Hmm. Did I it, can totally imagine. Sorry, what, what, what was the crowd? I mean, were, did you guys draw a good crowd or was it kind of more like, what, what was it oh, like? Oh, there was, there, it was a big crowd. And, uh, and I have here on my wall in my office uh, the front page of the newspaper the day of the that marathon in Olympia, and it had says here fifty thousand cheer U.S. women marathoners. Wow! So there was a great crowd. And, and Olympia is not, not a big place either. So no, there were two hundred and sixty-seven <laughs> runners. It was a cool day, fifty-six degrees. Uh, onlookers started lining the streets and roads as early as seven a.m. on race day. The race uh, started at 11 a.m. Oh. And uh, so it was, it was just an amazing event. Um, 
and uh, yeah, the, the spe- there were spectators there and media, so it was it was pretty exciting. So in- and re- you, in that in that, um, sorry, Sarah, I keep interrupting you, but I remember you have a cup too, right? Because we've we've been in your office, and you have a a, sm- a smashed cup from that too, don't you? Like no yes, a paper stuff. cup. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right. Not only did I save my number, but also a water cup uh, that is inscribed, you know, with. Uh, 1984 uh, first women's Olympic marathon trials. Nice. So yes, so had nice. that nice. Uh, as well, and that's uh, that's all part of that. That I the memory that I keep there. Yeah. So and since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. Bark boxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first bark box. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love for free, because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a six- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com. Dot com slash AMR. That's BarkBox.com slash AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted Storyworth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit storyworth.com AMR when you subscribe. That's storyworth.com AMR. And tell us some of the other people who were there, and I mean, how did it? You know, tell us a little bit about the races that unfolded. Well, I do remember that gun went off. Um, a lot of people uh, uh, took off very, very quickly. But you know, I think it was it was Joni, Joan Benoit Samuelson, mm-hmm. who really had something to prove that day, mostly to herself. Um, that because she had set the women's world record in the 1983 Boston Marathon, mm. she really was the one to beat. And the, you know the story about this, and which makes her win even more incredible, was two or yeah, about two and a half weeks before the trials, she had to have arthroscopic surgery for her knee, mm. for her uh, meniscus in her knee, her cartilage, and. Uh, it, it, she had the surgery. She did not run a step. She only was in the pool with a um, flotation belt doing deep water running for two weeks prior to the Olympic uh, marathon trials. Hmm. And it was just a couple of days before the trial. She tested it out on the ground, given, you know, doing some running. 
And then the fact she went out on that race and broke away and to win the uh, the the Olympic trials, and then of course to go on and, and win the medal was 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 exciting, and I think really made her even more than a legend uh, when she uh, you know as she went on, because the week before uh, the trials, she she could not have have run the race because mm. she couldn't even run four miles at that time. Wow. So it was just a few days uh, prior to that. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yep. And so, do you remember what place you came in? Uh, well, I had my own troubles. <laughs> to be honest, it wasn't, it wasn't I, your knee, but something else. Yeah, I had a bad Achilles tendonitis leading into this race, and uh, I was just on a stationary bike myself oh my with a oh. with a, a, a lower cast on my Achilles, probably for uh, a month before the race, leading into it. And uh, I was fortunate. I was able to get through the marathon just under three hours for the trials and had only really been on the ground running for about two weeks myself. (laughs) But it was all biking I was doing, you know. And then, of course, having had um, a lot of uh, miles in the bank, you know, six months previous. But but, uh, that's okay. That's That's okay. okay. You got to be there. (laughs) Well, so, yeah. And so then you went on to win – um, the, a couple other marathons, a couple other major marathons. What, tell us about that. Did that happen after the 94 trials? I mean, the after the 84 trials? trials, yes, it did. Uh, in Finland, uh, there was, uh, in New York City, there was a series of races, um, and the winner of the series would then win a trip to the Finland Marathon. I had that opportunity, uh, headed to Finland and won the Finland Marathon as well. That was real exciting. Um, to 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 not just for the marathon, but to go to that land, which had a lot of history for distance running and running through those pine trails. And mm. um, previous to the race was just beautiful, just beautiful trails they had there. And, and, and um, can I can I ask? I have actually met the. Um, I think she's the um, head of the. Uh, Helsinki Marathon. It just strikes me that maybe Finland has a longer history of women's of involving women in running, or was is that not the case? I'm not really sure of that. I know certainly like, of just a history of running overall with men, so I don't know too much about their history with uh, with but women. Did you have a different? Did it have a different vibe maybe than running here in the states, or no? Uh, I no. I I, I it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't that different. No, no, it was, mm-hmm. it was the same uh, mm-hmm. as we had here. Not as many women, if, if I remember mm-hmm. uh, correctly. And uh, and then, of course, um, I I started uh, doing trail running quite extensively. I love to this day trail running, and went on to set a 50k U.S. trail running record. Um, and we have to and, ha- have to ask, what is the time on that? That was approximately three at the time. Uh, approximately, I believe it was, I'm sorry, uh, three hours and 40 minutes. Wow. Wow. And so check that. And, uh, and to this day, I, I snowshoe race, um, oh, going to right, the yeah. U.S. snowshoe championships, which uh, if anyone out there enjoys trail running, get on some uh, running snowshoes during the winter and get out there. It's it's just a uh, tremendous um, activity and you're out there in the snow it, and uh, it just it really is, can get you in shape. It is hard. I, was about to say, I think that's uh, <laughs> tremendously hard might be the way. I mean, I've, on, I've only done a couple snowshoe races up here and like I did one up in Vail. So that's, you know, high as far as altitude goes, but 
holy cow, that can just kick your little booty, doesn't it? I mean, they are, oh. that's the hardest kind of race. What was the, do you remember the distance that you it did? Was a, it was a 10K, you could have done 5K or 10K, and I was like, oh, 10K, that's no problem, I'm in shape. I just about, you know, I mean, by the end, I felt like I was going to vomit blood. It was so hard. <laughs> yes, exactly, because the one I did was at the U.S. Championships was a 10K. And by 5K, well, by the first mile, you're already thinking, how am I going to do this? It, I would have to say that was the hardest event I've ever done in my life wow. in all of running. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't imagine, Jimmy, doing it in at altitude. Yeah, yeah, but it is it is good. I mean, if you're ready for it, you're up for a challenge, you know. That will get you into shape. And in, in, in one 10K, you're going to, like, increase your fitness by about 10%. <laughs> and, and no impact, very little impact yes, in that night. Impact. In well, that... And, you, and you continue to go the distance, right? I mean, because every time we see you, we see you a lot of these trade shows, and every time we talk to you, you're like, oh, and now I'm setting or I'm going to go do this kayak race that's, like, 50 miles long. I mean, what tell us because you kind of have shifted a little bit from you're still trail run some, but you you kind of spread out a little bit more your sports. Is that right? Oh yeah, um, you know, you know, besides running and trail running and snowshoe running, I uh, fell in love with ocean kayaking, and um, have uh, been doing open ocean kayak races. We have a race here in New England around Cape Ann. It's 22 miles, oh. open ocean, and. Uh, I've had I've had the opportunity to win that a couple of times and uh, did the race around Manhattan, which was oh, wow. uh, 32 miles around up the Hudson, all the way down the Harlem, uh, along the East River, and you have all the ships and commercial uh, boats coming through. That's a real rocky uh, race, and I uh, <laughs> was a runner up there, and uh, also um, have ta- I've got my black belt in uh, karate, and I've taught that. So it's a, a number of different sports when, and, and uh, I think, you know, one of the things, and you, you probably can talk about this yourselves, is once you, you have a mind for just enjoying um, the, the whole concept of endurance and being outdoors and whether you're running or snowshoeing or kayaking, it sort of all is the same theme, um, just uh, just going the distance, enjoying that sort of rhythm and uh, the sunshine, the water, the snow. You know, both of you are outdoor women yourselves. Yeah, but it's just so awesome that you've continued to find your strong in, in various ways. And that, that, I don't know, I just sometimes, because, I mean, you sort of had to give up some running because of um, injuries oh. or no? Yeah, I've one of the things, I, I had to have a little bit of arthroscopic knee surgery myself. And it, it just taught me to, to do some other stuff as well, to mix it up a little bit more, including mountain biking. Um, mm. That has become another big enjoyment of mine. And getting up in age now, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, I'm able to keep going with, without injury by doing all these different activities. Uh, for me, it's mostly as long as they're outdoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the one thing I really enjoy. And uh, just to think back, you know, that uh, in high school, we weren't, we were, it was considered unhealthy for women to do any, any of these things. And, uh, and now for the first time, as we said, women are outnumbering men in in participation for running. And it's quite possible in just the next few years, women are probably going to make up 60% of running finishers in races in the near future because 
you know, we're the ones driving the sport and the growth of the sport right now. Well, and you were the one that, I mean, it says, I mean I'm mean, i sure you've read Marathon Woman by Catherine Switzer. Right? Oh, Sorry. yes. I know Catherine qu- quite well. And, you know, 1967, her uh, joint, jumping into the Boston Marathon um, as uh, with uh, a number being pulled out, pushed, trying to be pushed out of the marathon by the race director. And she stayed in and continued, and she's just been a great role model uh, for women's running. And... Catherine Switzer was actually at the helm of this Avon Women's uh, Marathon series. Um, exactly, she talks about it in the book. But I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, I know you might not have been like behind the scenes, you know, helping the series get off. But I mean, I give you a lot of credit for just getting out there and showing that it can be done. I mean, that's you know, I mean, because half of the battle is breaking the stereotype that people, you know, believe that it can't be done. You know, and so people like you who can talk about it and you know, and just go do it and eventually run in daylight and not undercover at night, you know, I mean, that's, I don't know. I mean, I did, I just think that there's a lot of, I mean, I think sometimes it's, it's important just to pay, um, you know, tribute. yeah, tribute or, or, you know, give our respect to people like you who kind of paved the way for all of us. So, well, thank you. What gives me pleasure is, you know, with many of the young women who work here at Saucony, they have, like women in their 20s, they have no idea about uh, the difficulties that women had, for example. And they, they don't have to. They don't have to know necessarily in the uh, 70s and, and, and what we were not able to do, what we were told we shouldn't do in running and in sports. So the fact that they've grown up realizing they can do whatever they want um, is is really the tribute that that they don't even have to think twice about going out for a run or uh, pl- riding horses or playing sports of of any kind, you know. And uh, I learned a lot myself um, as a trustee of the Women's Sports Foundation, serving on a board with Billie Jean King, Donna De Verona. These were certainly Billie Jean King. Everyone knows from tennis. Donna De Verona was an Olympic swimmer. Um, and these women paved the way, and, and I learned a lot being on that board myself. So, you know, if anyone knows of the Women's Sports Foundation, support those guys because they've done so much for, for all of us women. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and another foundation you're involved with is the Saucony Run for Good Foundation. So tell us a little bit about your uh, activities with that and your work with that. Sure. Um, well, we all know that there is a problem uh, with kids today. A third of uh, American children are overweight or obese. And, uh, and the numbers are even higher in the African-American and, and Hispanic communities where you see nearly 40% of kids overweight or obese. So uh, Saucony, our, our brand's mission is to inspire others to run. And uh, we know that uh, there is transformative power, if you want to say, in running for everyone, and, and today especially for kids. So since 2006, the Saucony Run for Good Foundation, and I've been fortunate to be on, a, a, on the board of directors since then, since the inception, we've awarded over a million dollars to hundreds of schools, community organizations across the country, all dedicated to preventing childhood obesity through running. Hmm. So um, these, these different foundations that do win grants from uh, Saucony Run for Good. There's startup programs, there are community running clubs. Um, you know, it could be the North Star School District in the North Pole in Alaska. We gave a grant because in the winter where it's so cold and there's 
just no daylight. Mm-hmm. The kids can't go outside to run, so they wanted to uh, create um, a, a long hallway in their school, take down some walls, put like a, a track, just a straight track down so they could run indoors. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's so to, cool. That is so yeah. cool. Even to the, the Achilles Track Club in New York City, that's for uh, challenged uh, kids uh, who want to get out there and um, run. So we give uh, recipient grants to all of these kids, and we also uh, invite the adult running community to help. We'll double uh, a donation. What we've done is to create a running app. It's the running industry's first-ever iPhone app dedicated uh, to battling child obesity. It's Saucony Run for Good. And it's a GPS-enabled app. Uh, you go on there uh, simply by running it. You can go check it out. You can download it for free at Saucony.com slash run for number four good. And um, as miles are accumulated, Saucony will double a donation to a particular charity. And it's all on there. I won't get into the details now. But uh, it's, uh, it's just a, a real important organization, and we've got it. And this terrible, uh, um, we call it epidemic, you know, health threat for, for our, the future of our kids. It's awesome to think that you're, you know, a person's miles can then have reverberations that can affect, have, you know, doesn't just affect you and, and you know, your heart and things like that, but they, your miles can kind of live on and, and do good, continue to do good through them. That's right. Hey, and both of you, you, you the two of you have kids who are out there and are, and are active. And uh, they have good role models for that, you know, both of you. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's really, I mean, and again, like just going back, I mean, talking about your 20-somethings, you know, like, yeah, they might take for granted that they can run now without any issues or, you know, having somebody check their gender before they get into a Uh, race. Um, You know, but... But the thing about it is, 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 is they know how great sports make them feel and how, how great being active makes them feel. And I mean, with, I know with my kids, I, I mean, I haven't told them this directly, but they've heard me talking about it. I'm like, you will play sports through senior year of high school. I don't care what sport it is, but something every season, just because there's so many lessons to be gained through it, you know, with teammates and goals and confidence and, you know, and just life, you know, and um, it just sets you up so well for the rest of your life. So, and I mean, just, I don't know. I mean, I could talk about it forever, but um, I just think it's really important. So I'm, I'm right. glad because I think, you know, a lot of times it's just, it's what starts at home. And if, you know, and if you are in a situation where maybe your parents weren't active, it's kind of hard to sometimes pick up the ball and run with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And you too, Sarah. I mean, your kids are out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. My son um, started taking tennis lessons this week all on his own. Uh, he just decided he wanted to play. So um, so that is fun to go and watch him um, and just be like, wow, he is a little athlete. How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you look, at, you look at yourself in the mirror. That's how it happened. <laughs> but, you know, it's, what's really good is as these, as these young girls continue to play sports, um, that's one of the things that's now feeding the sport of running, why we're seeing women are driving the sport, because ultimately, once you're finished with school and school sports, running is, is sort of the basis of all past sports training that you, you just kind of start keep doing. Mm-hmm, you know, exactly. once you're out of school, grad, out of grad school, you start your job. You know, if you've played any kind of sport, you've, you've run, you know, either to stay in shape for that sport. Um, and that's something that you'll continue to do. And as more and more girls keep playing sports, more and more women are going to be running. Mm-hmm. And, 
and that that is one of the many things that's uh, fueling the, the the whole women's uh, second running boom, if you want to call it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The running skirt. The second running boom wears a running skirt is what yeah. <laughs> I think of it sometimes. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Well, you've been awesome, Sharon. Thank you so much. What's it was like, before we before we let you go? What's your next? Uh, do you have a race coming up, or what's your next challenge? Do you have one? Well, um, I'm I'm going to do uh, certainly going to be doing a ki- ocean kayak race this summer. So I've been getting a lot of miles out on the water, and uh, I don't do too many races. But um, I uh, I like to still do the training, whether I'm racing or not. I love just still doing the training. Awesome! Thank you so much, Sharon. It was great. All right, with thank you, you and, and congratulations to both of you, Sharon Dimity, for uh, what you're doing for for women and for moms out there. Awesome. Awesome. And we, and we appreciate the support Saucony gives us. So thanks a ton. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, we both love Sharon, but I got to say this part is kind of sticking in my head, this whole in one outdoor, out the other, and in between we're checking to see um, your true gender identity is just, it's troubling, isn't it? it? Oh my goodness. I just can't even imagine the, the, like you try to envision it happening and it just like the circuits don't even allow my mind to come up with that. I mean, that's, I know that's crazy. And then, I mean, then being like, Oh no, no, you have to go out this door because you can't go back in and tell your other buddies that we're going to reach on their shorts because what would the, I mean, the women, it's not like they would have been like, Oh, okay. Then I'll take my penis off. It's like, so the only thing they would have done would be like, no, you're not going to keep doing that. So I don't know. Yeah, that's, it's very, um, the submission submission involved in that and the, and the actual act is, is troubling. So, oh my goodness. Yeah. But that was so great to, I mean, just to think about them up in Olympia and the, just the scene of it all. And I mean, how amazing to think that people lined up for four hours before the start of the race. That's just, just great. I mean, of course we do that now, but to think that they realized even back then the import of it and how exciting it would all be is really, really thrilling. have been at that race yeah i would have loved to have been at that party man yeah yeah exactly we would have been bringing up the rear but we would have been, <laughs> would have been doing so in style so <laughs> so good well if you want to join our party we are at on facebook we're run like a mother the book our website is anothermotherrunner.com on twitter we're at the mother runner and our true books are uh, run like a mother and train like a mother available on amazon and many happy miles to you 